Well, today we are going to continue in our uh, study. So, you know, we're on our 50-day journey, and we are really coming uh, toward a uh, conclusion of the 50 days. But, you know, I, it's kind of like this, I think. Once you begin something like this, who wants to stop, right? You know? Uh, and so I hope that uh, perhaps we've developed some new uh, disciplines in our lives of, of, uh, of a prayer and fasting and uh, studying and reading and, uh, and things of that nature. Because over this 50 years, it's been 50 years, over this 50 days, this has been a time where uh, our desire, our prayer really is a renewal and a new energy, you know, when it comes to our vision and mission and, and all of that. And I hope that during our times of prayer and fasting that, that it has been meaningful, even if you're not able to pray or not even able to fast or maybe fast a little bit or you know, whatever it might be, that at least we're thinking in terms of, uh, you know, we've been at this mountain long enough kind of thinking, you know, and, uh, and how important it is to continue to move, uh, move forward. Uh, uh, you know, God uh, has raised up this uh, community, uh, and uh, uh, we need to keep thinking about the future, keep thinking about where we're going and what we're doing and uh, and I know we're, we're a very busy group of people. We're a busy congregation. We do a lot of things. Uh, I mean, not every congregation has lunch every week, you know, after the service. Uh, you know, just starting with that. Uh, and then everything else uh, that we're engaged in. You know, when you really think about it, uh, when I, I mean, I could, I could say not only, how many congregations feed everybody who comes? Every week after the service, without a without hiring a caterer, <laughs> right? Uh, how many congregations offer first class uh, education uh, uh, once a week and more? Uh, you know, uh, not uh, very many. And then there's lots of other things uh, that that we do. So we're a very busy uh, uh, congregation, but. You know, uh, as uh, we've been talking about, God is not always interested in how busy we are. You know, uh, it's in who we are. And, uh, and, and out of that comes fruit. You know, we've talked about a lot of different passages. We talked briefly uh, about uh, what Yeshua says in John 15, you know, apart from him we can do nothing, Right? Uh, and so how important it is that we are cultivating as a community, not only atomistic, uh, not only, you know, amongst ourselves individually, but as a community, uh, uh, are we really uh, growing in our uh, relationship to Yeshua and in our reliance on him uh, for all that we are you know, and everything that, that we do. And, of course, uh, this all began by mentioning a passage in, um, in uh, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, right, about pursuing things that help us to grow. In 1 Timothy uh, uh, chapter 6, Paul uh, is encouraging Timothy in verse 11 of chapter 6, in the second part of the verse, pursue righteousness, godliness, faithfulness, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And he says, you know, fight the good fight. And, and then uh, he says, uh, take hold of the eternal life. And we pointed out uh, on more than one occasion that pursuing and fighting, the, and, fighting uh, and taking hold of our action words our action words. And he's saying to Timothy, don't sit back. Don't sit back and be passive. You know, don't sit back and be passive and just assume that because you know the Lord, you're going to grow uh, in your faith and that it's all about just, uh, I, you know, pray uh, before you go to bed, the Lord change my life. And when I wake up in the morning, I'll be a different person. Right? 
that uh, uh, we're called upon to pursue this kind of life, to pursue it, to go after it. And, we, and we've talked about that. So we've been trying to put some legs on this by talking about different types of activity, coupled, of course, with prayer. And, you know, uh, that's why we're praying and fasting once a week, right? But engaging in a practicing activity that, that causes us uh, to grow and that demonstrates I, you know, who God is in us. So there's a term that we need to, uh, you've probably been wondering, when is he going to bring up this, right? Because in this kind of thing, uh, in this kind of study, uh, so during this uh, 50 days, we're trying to think of different types of activity to be practicing, coupled with prayer and fasting, so that we come out of it kind of different people, you, you know? Uh, and so there's a term that is like the overarching term, the term that uh, certainly you've heard here at Beth Messiah before, uh, and probably elsewhere, uh, a term that uh, really is hard to define, uh, yet uh, you know, uh, we, uh, we do our best to, uh, to talk about it and define it. And that word is chesed, right? Chesed. Chesed is a Hebrew word that is usually uh, translated loving kindness uh, in the Hebrew Bible. In the New Covenant, it isn't even translated. Uh, different words are used uh, in our English uh, translation, and even, even in Greek. There are some terms that stand out, like charis, you know, which is usually translated grace, but there's probably a dozen terms. Uh, in, in the uh, New Covenant scriptures that cover, you know, what chesed uh, is. And the reality is, it's also true in the Tanakh that there are a variety of terms. In, in English, it's hard to get, our, to get our hands around it. But even in Hebrew, uh, there are other words uh, that are used to describe uh, this, uh, this term, Chesed. Usually we read about it in relationship to uh, God's relationship to those who are in covenant relationship with him. Sometimes we read about it uh, of a person's relationship to somebody else. Sometimes uh, we read uh, 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 about people who are described as chesed people, which is kind of interesting uh, what it says about them. Uh, and, uh, and, and so, uh, what an important term it is for us because we also read that God wants us not only to be chesed people, but to love it. You know, doesn't it remind you of uh, what you hear when, when we uh, say, you know, when I was a kid, you know, we used, to, uh, we used to walk four miles to school and we loved it. You know, that kind of thing. So chesed is something that we're called upon not only to do like, okay, well, God said, show kindness to people. All right, I crossed that off the list today. You know, you might as well have not done it, right? Uh, as, we'll, as we'll see. And then in the New Covenant, very interestingly, I'm always looking for like groups of words that uh, kind of, you know, describe these things. And uh, because... Uh, this is an important thing to understand, that it's not only the, the definition of a word that's important, but how it's used, you know, how it's used. Very, very, very important. And so we'll see uh, how chesed is, quote, you know, loosely translated uh, in the Brit Hadashah and, and what this means to us. Now, in Judaism, chesed is a, uh, is a foundational uh, characteristic. It's not just something good. It's, it's absolutely foundational. Uh, some of you may have heard of something called the Pirkei Avot. Pirkei Avot means, you know, literally sentences of the fathers, but usually we say sayings, sayings of the fathers. And uh, what it is, it's part of the Talmud, uh, actually. It's in the, in the Talmud. Actually, uh, no, I have to, have to be careful. It's in the Mishnah, okay? Uh, Pirkei Avot. Uh, and uh, it's kind of like the rabbinic uh, book of Proverbs, in, in a way. You have sayings of rabbis that are really, you know, rich uh, in uh, application and so on. 
So right at the very beginning, actually, right after the introduction in Pirkei Vot 1-2, 1-1 the handing down of the tradition, and uh, the next uh, uh, saying says this, uh, that the world stands on three things, Torah, a service to God, and deeds of chesed, and chesed. So very interestingly, that chesed is foundational in, in the sayings of the rabbis, in, in, in Judaism, in, in rabbinic literature, that chesed, acts of loving kindness, is foundational to, ev to everything. Okay? And what uh, acts of loving kindness, the activity of that is called, in, in Hebrew, uh, gamulat chesidim, the bestowal of loving kindness, uh, compassion toward others. And there's a lot written, uh, written on it. And, uh, and what all of this literature, if you ever read anything by the, uh, you know, in, in any kind of rabbinical literature, Jewish literature, Jewish devotional literature that talks about chesed and practicing, practicing chesed, it's not just doing acts of loving kindness, but doing acts of loving kindness and not expecting anything in return. That's like huge. That's why, if you ever uh, look it up, Gamulat Chasidim, it will say that the greatest act of uh, a Gamulat Chasidim is going to a funeral. Why? Because the person is deceased, and there's nothing they're going to do for you. That you're going uh, because of uh, showing, uh, you know, care and concern and whatever, but but there's no, you know, there's nothing that that person can do for you. And so it's this great act of gamulat chasidim. Or, uh, you know, feeding the poor or, you know, helping those who are destitute, who can't do anything for you is the point, who can't do anything for you. That you're doing it because of your love for mankind, your love for God, uh, and, uh, and not expecting anything in return. And in Judaism, just uh, as we would say as Messiah followers, that it's a, it's a characteristic of God in that we're living out, uh, uh, we're, we're demonstrating the character of God. Uh, and of course, when it comes to understanding this term uh, in the Bible, uh, we know that uh, the chesed of God is prevalent. We read about it a lot of times, right? And the, probably the cornerstone passage is in Exodus chapter 34. And we learn something about from the context of it, not just the word that's present there and what it says, but what's going on, right? So if you're familiar with Exodus, you know that uh, the golden calf has just taken place, right? Uh, this great uh, act of idolatry has taken place right after receiving the, the uh, Ten Commandments, right? In fact, Moses has told the people the Ten Commandments, and the golden calf happens while he's up getting them on stone, right? And then he comes down and he breaks them, right? And it seems like this is, it's all over. And God says, I'm going to destroy this people, uh, and I'm going to start all over again with you, Moses. And Moses basically says, God, what will the Egyptians think when you do something? Don't do this. Forgive them. And to make the, to the story short, God forgives them, right? He, he, he forgives them. He judges them, but he forgives them. Uh, and then he says to Moses, uh, so now, uh, you know, when, uh, when you leave, uh, I will send uh, messengers with you into the wilderness. And Moses says, whoa, wait a minute. If you're not going, we're not going. Okay, so then God says, okay, I will go with you. And then Moses says, show me your glory. Show me your, I want to make sure that you're still with us. You know, be, and the reason is, is because in that world, in that ancient world, if anyone was in a covenant relationship with a superior and practiced that kind of infidelity, that kind of treason, that covenant is over. It's done. Forget about it. You see, but the God of Israel says, no, I'm sticking with you. And I would suggest that that entire conversation with Moses 
is given to us so that we can understand that the people aren't receiving what normally would take place, that God has gone far above and beyond what the norm would be as the king, and that he isn't rejecting them because that would be what's expected. And so when uh, Moses says, show me your glory, Moses goes and he's placed in the, you know, the cleft of the rock, right? And we see what happens. In chapter 34, we read here in verse 5, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him, and he called upon the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands and forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. Okay? The point of the very, you know, we're such an interesting people in that we like oftentimes to focus on the last like five words of that whole thing and say, see, See what happens in third and fourth generations? I'm going to tell you, okay? The reason it's there is to show that the judgment of God is much, much smaller than the abounding loving kindness of God. It's given simply as as a comparison to the loving kindness of God, that the loving kindness of God is is far greater than his judgment, you know? And, And we need to get that out of this. Now, so we see this word chesed, chesed, loving kindness, uh, as it's translated in, into English. Oftentimes, uh, it goes right along with, uh, you know, chesed ve'emet, chesed ve'emet, loving kindness uh, and, uh, and truth. And you see that in a variety of places throughout the Tanakh, throughout the Hebrew Bible. The reason you see it is because this is basically in the thought of who's ever saying it, okay? It's not that it like, like, look, at there's a theme. They're, they're coming back to Deuteronomy 34. Uh, and this is what it says. Now, truth here, uh, you know, emet, which really uh, is a great word to mean like faithful, not just like true statements as opposed to false statements, but true as in like true blue, you know, uh, uh, faithful. And we could say that that loving kindness and truth uh, and faithfulness go together because on your, on your own, do a word study and you'll see that the words are almost interchangeable in a number of different places. And we'll mention a couple of them perhaps, okay? Uh, another thing that we want to understand about, uh, about these words I'm going to suggest is that when it says in verse 7, repeating the word loving kindness, when it repeats the word loving kindness, uh, and in verse 6, when you have abounding in loving kindness, which means like excessive loving kindness, okay, that that word serves almost as a summary of all of the words, of all of the words. Because God, it's not as if God is not abounding in grace or compassion or forgiveness He's abounding in all of it. And this word chesed is like a a, a term that's, again, very difficult to translate by itself. But it's more about what it means. And I'm going to suggest it means all these things. It is indeed who God is. And so, therefore, when we uh, take a stroll through the word of God and look for it, you know, it's more than just one thing. Uh, it's a lot of things, but but the thing that we want to remember initially about it is that it's a prevalent word, that God is indeed chesed, and that uh, uh, people who cry out to God in the Bible kind of like cling to chesed, you know, like, uh, forgive me because of your chesed, because this is who you are. And you know, that is the that is fascinating because... If you read the Siddur called the Machzor that we use on the Day of Atonement, when you read the prayers of confession in them carefully, that they repeat this a lot. 
God, because of your great love, because of your forgiveness, because of your chesed, forgive our sins. And you know, it goes all day of a pleading with pleading with God uh, uh, for a forgiveness. As Messiah followers, we of course would, would come with assurance and say, thank you for forgiving us based on your chesed, because of your loving kindness. And in Yeshua, Yeshua is loving kindness, right? John uh, chapter 1 and verse 17, grace and truth are realized, not just given. Moses gave the Torah, but grace and truth are realized in Yeshua. Grace and truth is almost like a summary statement as well of chesed, of, of the, the, the reality of what he is the living Torah, Torah is chesed. Yeshua is chesed. He acted it out in his life. Don't we read, for example, in the book of Romans, in the fifth chapter, while we were helpless, while we were enemies, Yeshua came and, you know, died for our sins and and rose from the dead. Very powerful terms there. uh, While we were helpless and while we were enemies. There's nothing that we can give to God for it. He did this because... He showed us benevolence without looking for something in return, other than that we would receive it. Other than that we would receive it because of his uh, a great uh, love uh, for us. And so, uh, in a variety of passages, and here we can look at a, uh, look at a couple of them. For example, uh, in uh, Psalm 6, in verse 5. Or verse 4. Oh, I'm going to have each one. (laughs) Verse 4. Return, O Lord, rescue my soul. Save me because of your chesed, because of your loving kindness. Return, O Lord, rescue my soul. Save me because of who you are, because of your favor, because of your mercy, your compassion, your grace, that you're slow to anger, uh, and you're forgiving, and, and all of that. That's who you are, okay? In Psalm 13, in uh, verse 5, But I have trusted in your chesed. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation, okay? Uh, you know, that, that if you go back, it's only five verses long. He says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? That's how it starts, (laughs) okay? Have you ever prayed that way? Yes, the answer is yes, I have. Even if you never said the words, okay? Because if you say no, I don't believe you. We'll just start with that, okay? All right. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? You know, that, you know, that's a lot of words. When it says, how long shall I take counsel in my soul? It means, how long am I going to talk to myself and wonder what's going on? What's going on? I didn't use any other descriptive words in that phrase. But what's going on? Okay. Uh, how long will my enemy be exalted over me? So it's a, you know, this is not a good place where David is, all right? Who's called a man after God's own heart, uh, right? By the way, right, yeah. Uh, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God, and lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have overcome him. Lest my adversaries rejoice when I am shaken. But I have trusted in your chesed. I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your deliverance, in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Okay, we're going to come back to this in in a little while. But how could that be, right? Given the fact that he's uh, lamenting and complaining so, so much at the beginning, right? Right? But he's hanging on to God's loving kindness, to what he knows is true. Uh, you know, about the loving kindness of God. Well, I could go on. David uh, says this kind of thing a lot of times in the Psalms, all right? Uh, but, uh, you know, Jeremiah kind of takes the cake uh, in, uh, the, in the lamenting and then re- remembering loving kindness or uh, chesed, right? Uh, in Lamentations, right in the middle, and, uh, you know, Lamentations is actually, it's such a symmetrical book of the Bible. Uh, but you'll have to take a class on that. Okay. 
uh, in chapter 3, I, I, you know, first of all, the name of the book is called Lamentations. I mean, there's no uh, hiding what the book is about. It's just one big complaint, one big sadness, right? So, you know, if you're really down and you want some encouragement, don't start in chapter 1, all right? Because you may not make it to chapter 3 and verse 22, all right? So just go to chapter 3 and verse, like, you know, it's like, take the drone in, okay? You know? So uh, here, I'll start in verse 19, kind of gives us a flavor for it, right? Uh, Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. Now, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, right? If you don't know it from the Bible, you know it from the song, right? Of course, right? So this is uh, first recognize that right in the middle of lamenting and just being dark and dreary, He says, I remember this, and so I have hope. God's loving kindnesses never cease. I'm going to suggest that the informing theology for Jeremiah was right, for this was right there in Exodus chapter 34, abounding in loving kindness, abounding in it. His loving kindnesses never cease. No matter what I see physically or what I am physically experiencing, The loving kindness of God is the same always, okay? Uh, And so, therefore, I have hope. But notice what he says right after it. He says, for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I'm going to suggest that in this great little piece of Hebrew poetry, you have a great example of what is called parallelism, okay? Which means that oftentimes the second line or a third line is reflecting some way on the first line. And so when he says, the Lord's loving kindness has never ceased, his compassions never fail, great is thy faithfulness, faithfulness and compassion is loving kindness. They're all, it's all like saying loving kindness. Okay, Loving kindness, by the way, is a made-up word. It's a made-up word to try to come, come to grips with the word chesed. You know, it was invented for, to translate uh, uh, these texts in the Bible. And so you have to use all these other words. Faithfulness. Uh, God is indeed, uh, God is indeed uh, uh, faithful. His loving kindness has never ceased. You know the story of Elisha, uh, and I, I think it's Gehazi, I think, where they're in this place called Dothan, right? And the enemy is surrounding them. And Gehazi says, what are we going to do, Elisha? This is the end. And Elisha prays, Lord, open his eyes. Open his eyes. He opens his eyes and he sees the hosts of heaven out there, right? And then they're able to move forward and have victory, right? And so Elisha saying, Lord, help Gehazi to see beyond what's physical or beyond what's visible. Better to say it that way. Beyond what's visible. And so in the same way, this is what Jeremiah is remembering. And this is what David is is remembering. You're hiding your face from me, but I know that you're faithful. And that's why I have hope. Because, you know, my faith is not based on what I see, but it's in my convictions, right? You know that indeed from the famous passage uh, in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. The conviction of things not seen. This is the faithfulness uh, of, uh, of uh, God. Okay? Uh, in the prophets, um, we see uh, this as well. This great trust in the faithfulness of God. And on, uh, oh, I'm just going to read one of them. In uh, Micah, at the very end of the book of Micah. Actually, you know, I'm not going to say it, you can make a little note. Joel 2.13 uh, is very good on this, where he's saying, return, 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 because of God's faithfulness, because of God's chesed. Return to the Lord, you know, because of God's loving kindness. Meaning, why does he say? Meaning, you can always return to God. His love never changes. You can always repent. You can always return. 
That's the story. That's why the word is used, may I suggest, in Exodus 34 as an overarching character of God, the overarching moral character of God. Because they did not deserve to stay in relationship with God. And God says, it's my chesed. I am chesed. You can always return to me. And that was, that's the story of the prophets. That is the story of the prophets. And that is what David is basically saying. Lord, I know that you're never going to leave me. Chesed. I know that you are faithful. Chesed. I don't see it. I don't feel it. But Lord, I'm hanging on to you. Okay. In Micah 7, in verses 18 to 20, Who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious acts of the remnant of his possession? You know, you know when we say this, by the way? When do we say this? We say this when we, uh, uh, on Rosh Hashanah, when we go and uh, when we uh, throw uh, our, uh, you know, little rocks or little pieces of bread or whatever we do in, in the water. Right? And uh, we're praying that, you know, just as God casts our sins into the sea, uh, Tashlich, to cast, Tashlich. Uh, and so we often say these words at the very end of, uh, of uh, Micah. Okay? So who is a God like you who, who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious acts of the remnant of his people and does not retain his anger forever because he delights in chesed? Does it say unchanging love in your Bible? Chesed. Chesed. Okay? He will, he will again have compassion on us. Notice compassion is like always somewhere hovering around. Right? He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, that will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Tashlich. That will give truth to Jacob and unchanging love to Abraham. Chesed. Chesed which thou didst swear to our forefathers from days of old. And that is how uh, the book of Micah ends, ends, trusting in the chesed of a God. Okay? Now, uh, you know, there's another word that's kind of like chesed, and we know it because it's used in Judaism today as a, as a self-identifying a name for one branch of ultra-Orthodox uh, Judaism, right? Chassidim. Chassidim. I don't know if you're aware of this. Sometimes people use that term as if it means all, all ultra-Orthodox Jews who are wearing the black coats and hats and so on are called Chassidim. They're not all called Chassidim. It's one group. And you can tell them by their hats. Okay? But anyway, just threw that in there. Uh, the word chasid, 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 is a very interesting uh, uh, word. It's used in the Bible uh, a lot, okay? In fact, about 15 years ago, you may remember, I gave a message. Yeshua the Hasidic king, okay? That, I even have it on, it was even a PowerPoint thing. I, even in those days, it was like another lifetime. Anyway, I, I, you know, Yeshua the Hasidic king. But I was emphasizing the nature of just Yeshua himself rather than what we're talking about here. I, but what's interesting about that word is, is that it is almost always translated the same way in the Hebrew Bible. Chesed people. You never see that. You never saw that. But the words godly ones. Godly one, godly ones, godly man. Chasid, chasid. Sometimes uh, in, in one particular place, it's actually translated when God says, I am, I am gracious. And the word gracious is actually uh, translated chasid. Not only that, but it's actually uh, also translated uh, in Psalm 18 and in, sec uh, in uh, uh, yeah, Psalm 18, uh, uh, it's translated kind. To the kind, I will be kind. To the, the kind, to the chasid, I will be chesed. It's very interesting in Hebrew, you know? Uh, and, but then there's one other place that really is uh, kind of interesting. Uh, oh, I'm just going to tell you because I don't have time. Uh, in for, in uh, Psalm 16, you know the famous verse where it says, God will not allow his holy one to undergo decay? Holy one is chasid in that, uh, in that passage. In Psalm 16, I believe it's in verse 10. 10, I think, okay? Uh, and so, interestingly enough, 
I, but I will say, almost every time, it's godly one. Godly one, godly man, godly ones, chasid, chasidim, okay? So it's interesting because that's, that's a description of chesed people, chesed people. And so kind, gracious, godly, holy, uh, very interesting. Uh, and the characteristics of the one who is kind, gracious, godly, and holy in the Bible is we read in all these different verses, prayerful, obedient, kind, ethical, uh, compassionate, prayerful, devout, all those words uh, could be used in the context of all the different passages. There's over like 35 times, 40 times when it's used. Uh, and when you read the context of, of what, how these people are described, the godly ones are described, we could say devout, prayerful, obedient, kind, ethical, uh, you know, and, and uh, passionate and uh, going uh, uh, beyond what is indeed uh, required. And that is what uh, I think is, uh, if, you, uh, if you ever were staying up late at night and wondered, well, what's the difference between then a tzaddik and a chassid, right? Uh, there's a difference, right? A tzaddik, tzaddik, tzaddik is, a right, is righteous, righteous, righteous person, right? Tzaddik, tzedakah, righteousness, okay? Acts of righteousness, right? You learned, if you were in Dr. Meyer's class, you learned that uh, righteous, a righteous person means like a person of right, right? Uh, who does the right thing, a person who does the right thing, okay? And that's uh, very good. In fact, I was very pleased after I heard uh, someone was telling me what he said. I went back and I looked back in my notes from many years ago that Sadiq does what is right. Okay, I didn't have to confess anything about that sermon. Okay? Uh, but the Chassid, the godly one, goes beyond what is right. Goes beyond what is the right thing to do. And that, I think, is... Uh, you know, uh, a, a real key, that it is not about just do the right thing, but it is have passion in serving, in loving. And that is indeed how God relates to us, right? He goes beyond uh, what, is, uh, what is right. And so we are called uh, to be chasidim, right? We are called to be uh, to chasid, to practice uh, a chesed. You know, uh, there's a great passage right back there in the book of Micah. You're probably familiar with it, right? It's in uh, Micah 6 and verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. When it says love kindness, ahavat chesed, love loving kindness. It's not like love and then like half of loving kindness or something, okay? It's ahavat chesed, love being compassionate, love reaching out to people, love forgiving people, love being slow to anger. Love it, live it, it because if, if, it, if it envelopes you, if you're not just doing it because that's what God says we're supposed to do, but it actually comes to define us, we're going to love doing it because it defines who we are. And it just comes super naturally when uh, we know the Lord and the Ruach is permeating our lives. Interesting, Hosea, Hosea says that chesed is more desirable than sacrifice. And you know what's interesting about that? May I suggest that he got that from Samuel. When Samuel is talking to Saul, but he doesn't say that exactly. Do you remember? He doesn't say chesed. He says obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. That's what Samuel says to Saul. Hosea takes that and says chesed. Chesed is better than sacrifice. Meaning loving obedience, loving doing the right thing, loving what is right, and doing it wholeheartedly. And I'm going to suggest that in the passage in 1 Timothy chapter 6, when it says pursue righteousness, and the second word is godliness, and the third word is faithfulness, 
And the fourth word is love. He's just like throwing it all in there. Paul is just like throwing it all in there. Don't just do the right thing. But remember, if you, from last week, we talked about that word godliness. It's a rich word, uh, you know, in, in Greek. And it means devout or pious or showing reverence, uh, you, you know. So you do the right thing with the, the right attitude, uh, with, with love and perseverance. And, uh, and then the last word is kindness, gentleness. Pursue these things. Go after these, uh, go after these things. And what is interesting is that in the Brit Hadashah, in the New Covenant, in the end of Ephesians, chapter uh, 4, and the unfortunate chapter division there, and in 5.1, really, to me, is like this great word of chesed, okay? Uh, Ephesians 4, at the end, where it says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God and Messiah also has forgiven you. This is chesed. All that era, that's chesed. Therefore, as a result of that, be imitators of God. Chesed. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Messiah also loved you and gave himself up for us, and offering a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. And then he goes on to say, you know, get rid of all these, uh, get rid of all these bad things, right? Live this way. Be chassid people. Be godly ones. Be people who show that kind of compassion. Well, finally, if we turn to Colossians chapter 3, I've been spending a lot of time in Colossians chapter 3, Lately, I'm reading this book. I've, I've mentioned it in a couple of different places. I'm reading this book called The Unseen Real. It's just a little book. It's a little book. Uh, and it's about things that are like we probably have heard before. But the author, you know, writes it in such a way. It's like, wow. It's like the big wow. I got to remember this, you know. And what he's writing about is the importance of the ascension of Yeshua. You know, the importance of that Yeshua is at the right hand of the Father. And he says how Psalm 110 verse 1 is the most often quoted verse. Uh, it was on the minds of the apostles, evidently, in what, what they were writing. You know, that Yeshua is at the right hand of the Father, right? You know, uh, and, uh, and without going into all the detail, the overall thing is that, that we're identified in him, that we are seated in heavenly places, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2, while we were transgressors. Wow, Messiah died for us and has placed us now in Yeshua. We are seated with him in heavenly places. And Unseen Real, the name of the book is called Unseen Real because he says that is reality that will never change. What we see here that, that's taking place, whether it be uh, world craziness or diseases or just bad situations, are somewhat temporal. What the real, but what the real real that we don't see is what is absolutely permanent and that it is really true and that we really do live there. And that means that wherever Yeshua is, that's where we are. Okay, wherever Yeshua is, that's where we are. I'm going to suggest to us that when the Ruach was poured out, as we're next week, we're going to talk all about it, so coming attractions, when the Ruach was poured out, this is how, it was through the ascension of Yeshua, the first, the death, it's like steps, the death of Yeshua, the resurrection of Yeshua, the ascension of Yeshua, so that he could dwell everywhere. And when the Ruach is poured out, this is how Yeshua dwells, dwells in us, dwells in our community, dwells uh, within us via the Ruach. And so Yeshua is at work in this world, and we who dwell in him can never be moved away from him. We're in him. It's not that we're busy doing things for God and he's helping us and he's hanging out with us. No, it's like the other way around. It's the other way around. He is at work in this world and we are in him. He is full of chesed. And therefore, we demonstrate the reality of God, the hidden reality of God in this world, the way we practice chesed, compassion. Loving kindness, however you want, you know, faithfulness, forgiveness. 
And so notice here in Colossians 3, it says, If then you have been raised up with Messiah, keep seeking the things that are above where you shoot, where Messiah is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Messiah in God. When, you, when Messiah, who is our life, is our life, is revealed, then you will be revealed with him in glory. So then, but also now. That's why he says, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, greed, idolatry, right? That has nothing to do with chesed. It's like the opposites of chesed. So he's saying, this is not who you really are, so think differently, okay? And then he says, put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, very much like Ephesians chapter 4. And then he says, put on the new self. And notice if you go down to verse 12, he describes who we really are. Because this is who Yeshua really is. And if we are always in his presence and we are identified in him, this is who we really are. Okay? Chosen of God, holy beloved, he says, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, Bearing with one another, bearing with one another. Oh, yeah, and bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone. Isn't that something? He goes on, forgive each other, whoever has a complaint. You're complaining about somebody, you got to forgive them, you know? And, and it comes right before, you know, bearing, put up with each other, forgive each other. I mean, it's like in no uncertain terms. This is what he's saying. Just as... The Lord forgave you, so should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. He is saying, be chesed people. This is what godly people do, how we live. And so therefore, we need to get this. And I hope that during our 50-day journey, we look for opportunities to be chesed people. You got to look for, don't you say, Lord, I want to be this kind of person. Good night. You know what I mean? Say, I want to be this kind of person. Lord, I have the Ruach. You, Lord, are dwelling within me. Give me an opportunity to stretch my chesed wings. My chesed. Let me put on my chesed legs. You know? And be this kind of person. And so if somebody has irritated you, say, all right. I'm loving loving kindness. I am loving chesed. I am going to forgive. And you decide to do it by your will. And I tell you that what you see over and over again in the Bible, according to the promise of God, your will plus the ruach dwelling inside of you and your ultimate desire to be a godly, to be a chesed, it will happen. It will happen. You know when it doesn't happen is when down deep inside we really don't want it. Like we say we want it, but we really don't love it. But if we really love the Lord and we really want what's right, do it. First, just do it. And you will see that the emotions, the love, the, all of that comes, will come along. That is what God calls us to be. So look for opportunities. Yes, pray. Lord, I want to be a chassid. Now, I'm not talking about payas and the coat. and the, You know what I'm saying, right? I'm talking about let me be this kind of person. Let me be this godly person. Oh, all those verses in the Psalms that talk about what a godly person is, is they're great verses. Faithful people, that God will, will you know, he's with you. Oh, encouraging and, and all this. That's the kind of people we want to be. And so, I, you know, I, uh, let me just say this, because if I don't say it, I'll say, oh, why didn't I say that? And that is just simply this. If you want a good example in the Brit Hadashah of a person who is a chassid, it's the opposite of who you think it is. And that's the story of the Good Samaritan, right? The people who were supposed to be chassid were not being chassid. You know, they might have been righteous to a certain degree. Righteous in that what was expected, and what was expected is maybe uh, there was something un unkosher about those people. They didn't want to, then, you know, didn't want to help the guy on the side of the road, right? But the unlikeliest person, 
the Samaritan person, the person that in the natural is like a, an adversary. He's the one who goes beyond the call of duty. And he is the one who dev- demonstrates chassid, chesed. You can read it in Luke chapter 10. You probably know the story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, and he showed, it says, he showed compassion on a person who was other, not like himself, a person who was very different. But he did it because he loved the right thing. He did the right thing. And so, that, so Yeshua points that out. That is what the godly person is. And so may we be that kind of person. And you know, um, I'll just say this. An, over, an overall theme of these uh, five, uh, of these 50 days, and I'm gonna, you're going to hear about it uh, probably early Tuesday morning and probably next Shabbat, is in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1. And I'll just say this is a great prayer to end with when we want to be uh, chesed people. Paul says to Timothy, And for this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through, through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. This is a pep talk Paul's giving Timothy. Paul laid his hands on him and called him in, you know, in ministry and, and all of that. Uh, and now Timothy is kind of like, he's not in a bad place. But Paul recognizes he needs some encouragement. Kindle afresh the gift within you. And so may that be true for all of us. And may we be on fire all over again to be chesed people for Yeshua. Let's pray. Lord uh, God, I just uh, pray that we would be chesed people. Lord, that that we would go above and beyond uh, what is uh, expected and called that we would be known as kind people, that we would be known uh, as, uh, as people who demonstrate your presence, Lord. And thank you, God, that we are, that is who we are. It's not that we have to muster it up, but we're living in you, Lord. And apart from you, we can do nothing. And so, God, I pray that we would indeed live this way. And Lord, as, uh, the, as uh, when the people came to Zechariah, and said, hey, should we continue to fast in the fifth and seventh months? Zechariah's answer was, are you doing it for the Lord? And he says, this is what I want you to do. He says, thus the Lord of hosts says, dispense true justice, practice chesed and compassion each to his brother. Do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor, and do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. Lord, may we be that people. We pray in Yeshua's name.